Pastor Ed Taylor says everything you need is accessed by faith in Jesus. Don't believe anyone that would come to you and say, well, I know you have a simple faith in Jesus, but what you really need is Jesus and. And they offer you some package of doctrine. They offer you some package of religion. They offer you some new fancy teaching, some new something new. You need Jesus and this book. You need Jesus and this video. You need Jesus and you need to follow me. You need Jesus and is not the truth of the scriptures. When you have Jesus, you have all that you need. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You laid down your life. That I would be set free. Oh, Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me. It's time for Abounding Grace. Glad you could join us as we get right back into our study of Hebrews. Pastor Ed Taylor is taking his time through the rich 11th chapter. And in today's message, you're going to see how our faith reminds us of the sufficiency of Jesus. In other words, Jesus is sufficient to take care of all that you need. So just turn to him in faith. Would you open your Bibles to 2 Peter chapter 1? 2 Peter chapter 1 and Hebrews chapter 11 in a Bible study that I've entitled, Our Faith Reminds Us of Jesus' Sufficiency. That's really the message that Paul has been writing to the Hebrew believers and that we've been able to take ourselves is that we have all that we need in Jesus Christ. We're on this glorious journey of learning about the love and the care and the character of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And the thing that we're learning about the most through the book of Hebrews is that he is sufficient. He is sufficient to take care of all of your needs, everything that you might need. And I especially love how Peter wrote it in 2 Peter chapter 1. Notice with me in verse 3, 2 Peter chapter 1, he writes, as his divine power has given to us, and you might want to mark these words, all things. He's given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. That means you have everything you need by faith in Jesus Christ. Everything. Remember, Jesus summed up our relationship with God. He summed up what it is that's required of us in two simple things. He said, love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Now, Peter relates that very similarly, he says, everything you need, everything you're looking for, the peace, the comfort, the encouragement, the strength has been given to you by faith in Jesus Christ. And the more you know him, the more you enjoy it. First of all, he gives everything that you need in relationship to God, vertically. That's godliness. Godliness relates to our relationship with God. And everything you need in your relationship with God is found in Jesus Christ. And then secondly, everything you need in relationship to one another, that's horizontally, is given to you in Jesus Christ. That's life. Everything we need, all that's required, the way to peace is knowing Jesus. And if you chose to spend your entire life getting to know Jesus better through his word, 
through prayer, through fellowship, through obedience, through service, that would be a wise investment of your time. Because all things have been given to us. The Christian life is a complete package. And don't believe anyone. Don't believe anyone that would come to you and say, well, I know you have a simple faith in Jesus, but what you really need is Jesus and. And they offer you some package of doctrine. They offer you some package of religion. They offer you some new fancy teaching, some new, something new. You need Jesus and this book. You need Jesus and this video. You need Jesus and you need to follow me. You need Jesus and is not the truth of the scriptures. When you have Jesus, you have all that you need. You don't need Jesus in a self-help book. And you don't need Jesus in drugs. And you don't need Jesus in alcohol. And you don't need Jesus in endless relationships. You don't need Jesus in your own attitude. And you don't, what you need is Jesus and him alone. You need nothing else. It stops with him. There'll be even folks that you know that will come with you and have some new fanciful doctrine. And they'll come to you and say, oh, haven't you heard? This is brand new. I've just found it. Never, never learned it before. I hopped on the YouTube and I got this video and it's just brand new. Listen, somebody comes to you and says, you need Jesus and some, some new fanciful doctrine, something new. I like to revert back what the theologian Norm Geisler said. Norm Geisler was a phenomenal theologian, philosopher, and teacher, Bible teacher of our day. And he said this, he said, if somebody comes to you with a doctrine, a new fanciful doctrine that you've never heard of before, if it's new, it's probably not true. But if it's true, then it's definitely not new. That's what the Bible says. There's nothing new under the sun. And so there are always those that are repackaging things and adding to Christ. And the Jewish believers here in the first century were, being, were facing this very same thing. It wasn't enough for them to just believe in Jesus Christ. They were pulled back to, to the rituals of the religion that they left. Which, remember, doesn't make much sense because the religion in which they left, what God established in the Old Covenant was actually pointing them to release their lives and submit them to Jesus Christ, to Messiah, when he came. So when Messiah came, they obeyed exactly what they learned, but now they're wanting to go backwards. And some of you may want to go backwards. Some of you may want to mix together the world's methods, the world's advancements. You know, I've even seen, oh, been here over the years where even pastors, they, they will get off just a little bit and they'll create a new doctrine for you. And, and they'll mix it up and they'll say, this is how you follow. You follow by following Jesus and you need my doctrine. No, you don't need their doctrine. Jesus will lead you in the right way. You, you have a Bible and the Holy Spirit and he'll reveal truth to you. And don't be caught by those that would want you to follow them because they found something that no one else has found before. You don't want to go backward. You want to go forward. And the way the world is today, you know, methods and technology, advancement and stuff, has brought, brought much confusion to the church. Primarily, confusion comes because you and I were not in the Word. The Bible reveals truth, and God reveals himself through the word, and we take what we read and hear and we match it with faith. That's the big question here in Hebrews. Now for the first 10 chapters, the author, whom I believe is Paul, laid down the doctrinal sufficiency of Christ. Like he didn't just say it, but he showed it and he taught it. He says, you don't need to go backwards. Don't go backwards. That everything you've learned prior was pointing to Jesus. And now that you have Jesus, you have all that you need. 
He'll lead and guide you in the way of truth. And, and this knowledge is transforming you. So don't mix it. Don't go backwards. Don't backslide. Don't go back to religion. Don't walk, walk in fear. Don't be anxious about what you've lost, but be encouraged on what you've gained. It's all been the message of Hebrews. And remember the mindset of the followers, the Jewish believers, is they lived in an atmosphere of works. That's how they define things. They define their relationship with God by what they did and what they didn't do. They viewed everything in relation to works. Even after learning of the glorious grace of God, even after learning of the finished work of Christ, they were still very comfortable under their own works. Today we would call that legalism, where you measure your relationship with God by what you do and what you don't do. And the legalism of the religious overseers had entrenched in them a sense of pleasing God by their works. You know, it's easy to see that in your own life where you may feel better today. You haven't been in church in forever and you're in church today and you feel a little bit better because you're not in church. But you know that God loves you whether you're in this building or not. He loves you. He sent his son Jesus Christ to die for you. It's a great thing to be here. God created this for us. It's good for us. It's supposed to build us up and equip us for the work of the ministry. It's supposed to encourage us. It, it, God wants to meet us. He wants to get us to gather together, remind we're not alone. It's all great and it's all good and it's God's gift to us. But if you're not here, God loves you just the same. His love doesn't change. And when you recognize the love of God, that motivates you like nothing else ever will. It moves you. Love is such a high, it's the highest motivator that exists. When you love God and you recognize, as we sang today, of his goodness. It's his goodness that leads us to repentance. It's his goodness that softens us. It's his goodness that overflows in our lives that we want to ex extend to others so that we no longer do things because it's a duty. We, we now live our life because it pleases the Lord and it pleases us. We have a whole different language. And the question is, well then, if I need to keep going forward and not backward, then how do I do that? The last part of Hebrews is that application of how. You may have come to, to this gathering today. You may have tuned in on the radio or online with the question of how. How do I move forward with this difficulty? How do I move forward with this situation? How do I move forward in my relationship with God? And the answer is the same for all the questions. It says in chapter 10 of verse 38 that the just shall live by faith. Faith is the key. And faith here is defined for us or described for us in verse 1 of chapter 11. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen. For by it, and you might want to circle the word it, for by it, what do you think it refers to? Say it out loud. Faith. faith. So circle the word it, and you probably already have faith circle, and then just write a little line there. Because that's, by faith, the elders obtained a good testimony. And by faith, verse 3, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things that are seen are not were not made of things which are visible. We learned in our time last time, and we'll be reviewing this as we go through chapter 11, that faith is something that operates in the context of things that cannot be seen with the human eye. And biblical faith also operates in the realm of things that cannot be figured out with our human mind. 
Faith operates in that area where God's ways are not our ways, his thoughts are not our thoughts. And we access the reality of what we cannot see by faith, by believing God, as we see in verse 3, at his word. By the word of God he spoke. And we believe what God has said. Faith is not wishful longing. It's not wishful thinking. It's not that kind of phrase, well, I hope it might maybe one day happen. But we learn there's two things about biblical faith that are important. Number one, faith has substance. The definition of that word means foundation, assurance, a guarantee for things that we hope for. It's the substance of the things that are hoped for. And secondly, faith has evidence. Remember that word means conviction, that we believe what we have been told and we live out our conviction. Our faith is not in faith. Our faith is not in a man. Our faith is not in a system. Our faith is not in a church. Our faith is not in a religion. Faith, the only right place to place your faith is in the one true God who created heaven and earth and loved you so much that he sent his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to die on your behalf. That's where true biblical faith is placed, where the substance and the evidence is found in him. Another unseen world exists. Now, there is biblical faith and there is normal faith. Because our whole world operates on faith. You drive by faith, you flip light switches on by faith. All the whole world lives by faith. We don't acknowledge it, but faith is a big part. This, this, this truth of trusting one another and living in mutual trust. And I found this to be true, and you have as well. The person of faith lives out his beliefs. The person of faith lives out his beliefs. What I mean is his life, her life, is committed to what his or her mind and spirit are convinced are true. Which is why if the object of your faith is not God, you'll get into all kind of weird stuff. Just stuff that you shake your head and go, you believe that? Why do you believe that? And, and what is the substance of that? And where did you get that from? And this is, an important, this is an important truth for you to grasp for your own personal walk with the Lord. Because it's a good truth to look into the mirror, as you're looking at yourself in the mirror, to really examine where you are in your relationship with God. To examine where you are. Because here's, here's the thing. It will not take very long watching your life to come to the conclusion that I know what you believe in. Where you spend your time, where you spend your money, where you spend your thinking, the time thinking, what you're committed to is where you've placed your faith in. And it's good to look in the mirror every once in a while, literally perhaps, and say, what do I believe in? And where am I, where am I spending my life? Am I, am I spending my life and wasting it? Or am I investing it in that which is eternal? When you come here to the church, you make a phone call and you meet with one of the pastors, what, what you call, and we don't, we're not against this word counseling, but we don't call it counseling here. We call it biblical discipleship. Because if you come here and we open the Bible with you, that's all we're doing is we're training you how to take the situation in your life and how to walk with God, how to live with God. So if you came here and, and let's say you met with me, and, and you give me the situation, one of the things that you're going to find is when you walk into my office, you sit down, I want to get you talking. I want you to talk as much as you want to talk. 
15, 20, 30 minutes, as much as I can to get you talking because Jesus taught me something about your words. He taught me something about your words. The Bible says this, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So, you know, I don't know your heart. And I'll never fully know immediate the fullness of what's in your heart and what your will really moves you and your motives. But I could tell you this, the more you talk, the more of your heart revealed to me. And the more I know of what's going on inside, not what you put up as a front, not the hypocrisy that you might be carrying, not the one-sided story you might be sharing with me, but more that I can get to the heart of the matter, the faster I can open up the scriptures and the Holy Spirit and say, this is what they need to hear. And I can share it with you to the reality of your heart. Same with your behavior. When you watch someone's behavior and you listen to their words, you can tell them what they believe in and who they believe in. And that's something you want to know for yourself. Just sitting in this room doesn't really mean as much as what's in your heart and what's in your mind and how you choose to live your life, which means you say you're a follower of Jesus Christ and everything in your life is against the teachings of Jesus. You really need to check yourself. You can't have it both ways. You can't say you're a follower of Jesus and follow yourself. You can't say you have faith in Jesus, but you have faith in yourself. You can't have both at the same time. That's why when you choose to live by faith, people don't understand you. Because <laughs> you're living in another world. And they don't get it. So because they don't get it, they want to minimize it. They will belittle you. They'll call you names. They'll, they'll get real personal with you because they don't understand it. Listen to this. Jot it down. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. A person of biblical faith that lives committed to Jesus Christ is not understood by this world, is not liked by this world, is not honored by this world. It, because the world doesn't like followers of Jesus Christ. This culture, that culture, every culture. They're anti-God. And you go, well, what do you mean? Well, notice 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. That, that's why they think you're foolish. They think you're great. Oh, you can't believe that you believe that. Do you really believe that? Do you spend so much time at church? You read your Bible, and they just think you're foolish. Why? Because they don't understand. Because they don't have a biblical faith. They don't have a faith in the one true God. They come to that place where they have to put you in a category because your life is offensive to them. Which leads me to in this thought in our church world today where Christians get all bent out of shape when people come against the church. Well, what do you expect? Like the world doesn't like the church. The world, what do you expect from a culture that killed a perfect man? People that hate God and, and what you'll see, you'll see on social media, oh, this happened and this happened. Oh, the church, everybody, the world's coming against the church. Yes, that's what should happen. The church shouldn't blend so much into the world that there's no distinction between the followers of God and the followers of this world because faith makes you different. The problem is, is you don't like to be different. So we find ourselves accommodating culturally and afraid to speak the truth and afraid to speak up and instead we'll take up fights that were never really our fights to begin with and we'll forget about the souls of men and we'll forget about the poor and we'll forget about the widow and we'll forget about the people that Jesus said, these are the most important people of society. Because we're too busy 
I can't believe the world's coming against the church. Yes. Yes, it should. The church shouldn't be like the world. There should be a distinction between us and those that don't follow God. Notice, this is what chapter 11 is all about. There's a distinction of men and women of faith. And notice in verse 2, for by it, by faith, the elders obtained a good testimony. Circle that word testimony. It's the Greek word martyreo. Martyreo. And as you hear that word, you Bible students might immediately think of the English word that comes from this that we use a lot, the word martyr. And when we think of the word martyr, we think of a person that has given up their life for the sake of the gospel. Someone that literally was murdered and killed for the sake of the gospel. And that is the common definition of martyr. But do you know by faith, we all become martyrs to one degree or another. Whether we end up losing our life for the gospel or not, we develop a testimony by our faith. For the elders, this is so cool, they developed a good testimony. It was a good, faith will lead you to a good testimony. All for them before Messiah ever came. Go to the end of chapter 11 real quick. For me, I have to turn the page. Go to verse 39. After the list is already mentioned, he mentions people by name and he mentions all kinds of other people not by name. He says in verse 39, and all these having obtained a good testimony through faith didn't even receive the promise. They died before Messiah. They died before Messiah. God having provided something better for us. Our testimony by faith is even better because we have a personal, real relationship with the Savior of the world. In chapter 11, in all the commentaries I've read, all the Bible studies I've listened to on this topic, I haven't heard anyone refer to chapter 11 as the hall of failure. The hall of failure. There's a lot of failure in chapter 11. There's a lot of mistakes, sinful mistakes in chapter 11. Whether we think of what happened in Abraham's life, whether we think about what Noah did. I mean, here's Noah, uh, the, one, a man called righteous, but also a man after he gets out of the ark that decides to get drunk and do really wicked things. Uh, I think of Abraham, how he was deceitful. I think of Jacob. How, I mean, there, this is a hall of failure if that's what you choose to look at, but that's not what God chooses to look at. He chooses to look beyond our failures and he looks and values the faith in our lives. Which to me, I want to be a part of something that God values. He values when I trust him. He values when, when everything looks the opposite of what he says and I say, no, I trust God anyway. I trust him. I trust him that I think it should go a certain way, but God has a different way and I will not give up on God because things don't go my way. How do you do that? By faith. <laughs> By faith. This is Abounding Grace, and you're listening to a message in Hebrews from pastor and Bible teacher Ed Taylor. Catch a replay when you visit AboundingGraceRadio.com. Now, if you haven't already, download the free app. Simply search for Calvary Church or Ed Taylor in the App Store or Google Play. Looking for some good summertime reading for that vacation of yours? Allow me to suggest The Jesus Style by Gail Irwin. It's a good one. Throughout his earthly ministry, Jesus taught that if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, become the servant of all. 
Now, he also modeled this through how he lived, and that's the emphasis of the Jesus style. You'll learn how to follow in the Lord's footsteps and become the servant of all. We'll send you a copy with our thanks for a gift of $25 or more to Abounding Grace. And please remember, it's through your financial support that we're able to come to you day by day on this station. Your gift, whatever the size, would be greatly appreciated and put to good use. Request your book today by calling us toll-free at 877-30-GRACE. Again, 877-30-GRACE. Not long ago, we created an e-store, which makes ordering resources like this super easy. You'll find it at calvaryco.store. Again, that's calvaryco.store. And if you just want to make a donation to the ministry today, but you're not really interested in the pick of the month, you can donate online at aboundinggraceradio.com. We'd like to connect with you before the day is done. Say hello. Tell us what God is up to in your life when you visit AboundingGraceRadio.com. Scroll down to the bottom of our homepage, and you can click on Connect With Us. Another way we can stay connected is through social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Find the links to each on our website, AboundingGraceRadio.com. And don't miss our next study in Hebrews with Pastor Ed Taylor tomorrow on Abounding Grace. And may God richly bless you with His abounding grace. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora. 